As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personal Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Michael, what's up, man? Hey, it's what good were, to be back. What were you just laughing at, man? You're laughing at, <laughs> was, uh, is that Daniel Vogelbach? Yes. All right, he he just got a standing a stand-up double for the Mets. Dude is a, is a unit, absolute <laughs> unit, if you haven't seen this man lately. His his walkout song is "Milkshake" by Khalees. Yeah. Is that right? Did I, say, did I say Khalees right? Man. So he's leaning into it, which of course, I mean, you've got to. What's funny is like, I, like, how old is that video? I wonder because he's not listed on the active roster. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but I stumbled upon this video on uh, shared by uh, Spencer Hall. And it was oh, I wasn't pulling down far enough. There he is, six foot two seventy. Yes, that's a defensive tackle. Oh my goodness, hitting stand up doubles, but he, that that um, maybe some seismic activity up in New York tonight with that moving. Oh Anyways, man, that was that great. Was, like you like you said before we started, it was great to see the big man move. Yeah, I, 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 we, we were chatting before we hit, hit record, and I asked him, "You're ready?" And then he just like goes quiet. He's laughing. I was like, "What <laughs> what'd I miss?" Anyways, that was good. That was good. Oh, so, I need to retweet that. I will retweet that. Yeah. Um, man, we are speaking, uh, speaking of tweet. <laughs> speaking of tweet, go follow. Go go find this tweet. Actually, uh, probably going to be from the personal account at Michael underscore LBK for that man over there. You can follow me, Spencer at punts suck and the show at at 23 personnel. And as always, the show is brought to you by sports strength. This is episode 288 of the 23 personnel podcast. Brought to you by our fabulous network sports drink, your digital water cooler. Sports drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and hate on your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink. Spelled like sportsdrink, but without the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let the funk out. We've got actual football to talk, Michael. Football is happening. We do. Not games, just yet. We have practices we are five practices in practice number five was and maybe six maybe six practices in. last i saw was a, a, a day five update from yesterday morning so tuesday morning nope there's practice day six it was it just happened six practices in michael 
almost halfway through. And then we get into game prep, which is what, I know. two weeks away. Yes. Finally. Uh, just the excitement is palpable here. Speaking of palpable excitement, Michael, I think one of the biggest storylines that we're going to have to talk on, touch on, and start talking about tonight is the quarterback battle. I've got everyone some, loves a good quarterback battle. Well, and here's what's interesting some differing, dis, disparate opinions on the performances of the quarterbacks in practice. Uh, one of the editors of the a board that I follow said one thing, and then Don Williams and Carlos Silva said something a little bit different. Granted, the board info on the quarterbacks was from the first three practices, so maybe there have been some market improvements by this one quarterback that we'll talk about. But as of Sunday, one of the media members that have been available to attend practice and watch these guys play it's very harsh on a young quarterback. Oh, spoiler alert. Well, they're all young. They're all young compared to me. I'm a man. I'm almost 40. <laughs> okay. So interesting that you mentioned that this past week, a week ago, uh, I watched in pieces. I watched the 2008 Oklahoma state, Texas tech football game, which was only a year removed from that rant where they kept bringing it up because it happened right before the Texas tech game. That oh, season. of course it would. In 2007. Yes. And of course they made all the connections between Ruffin McNeil taking over as a defensive coordinator because the defense, the past couple of games that, uh, Herb street and what's his name? Musburger. Musburger. No, not Musburger. Yeah. You are looking well, live. Is that Musburger? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's Musburger. So th- those two guys, they were talking about the, the improvement of the defense because they had just seen like ABC had been at Texas tech two weeks in a row and they had just, were talking ranting and raving about how great the Texas tech defense was and was talking about how much did it change? Anyways, they were talking about uh, that rant from Mike Gundy who looked quite a bit different from that video in 2007, you know, as a second year head coach. Oh my gosh. Was that only a second year? Cause he's, he's been there 16 years. So he would have been there in 2006 as a head coach. Still always, always a man with a um, kind of a bold hair choice. Always. If I remember the, the thing I remember about that video, aside from obviously the rant, but I think he had, he was going with the spiky hair visor look. Uh-huh. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And that's sharp as, as a bald man. I've always respected that. I just feel like you should always elevate, elevate the hair above the visor, make the visor work for you. Make, yeah. don't, don't make, you know, you're not working for it. The visor's working for you. You've got to do it right. I, I stumbled across an old photo of myself when I had, oh, this awful hair. I just had awful hair. It's probably better that it's gone. Super curly. I let it get really long. And so I had it so long and curly to the point. I wouldn't call it a fro because I don't feel comfortable as a man of my pigment calling whatever the heck I had a, a, as a fro. And also it was just awful. It was disrespectful to froze. But anyway, it was enough of it that it kind of covered the visor in places. So I feel like if you go at, if you go at it with that way, then you're good. If you, if you go in Dana Holgerson, just because you just, 
He's pushing he just, everything up to cover what's missing on top. Yeah, I mean, the way Holgerson does it is like the guy that's driving a convertible at a 103-degree afternoon. He's forcing it. He's forcing it. No one wants the top down. No one's enjoying themselves. No. It's And it's not good for you. It always reminds me of uh, Woody Harrelson's character in uh, Kingpin. When we yes. See. No, not, not, not Woody Harrelson. No, it was, um, yeah, but it was... Um, Bill Murray. Bill Murray's character, when especially the, the, the final tournament, and his hair is like literally flopping around. Anyways, Gosh, that is, that is some great acting. That was a great it's movie. beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. Uh, Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Gundy took over in 2005. So that was okay. 2007 would have been his third year, but like he was early in his third year. Um, of course, he took over for Les Miles, who left for LSU. Which, if I'm reading this, this uh, Wikipedia entry correct, he applied and interviewed for the head coach position the same time as Les Miles. They chose Les Miles and then brought him on as offensive coordinator and associate head coach. It's like that interesting. I don't I don't know if you could do the same thing today like hey, um, that was immediately what I was thinking. That would never fly today. <laughs> hey, uh Cliff Kingsbury, we we want you to come on. I know you're interviewing for head coach. We want you to come on as offensive coordinator and coach under Tommy Tuberville. Yeah. Uh and then when eventually he leaves, we'll we'll look at you again. Yeah, this isn't like acting. Well, you know, while I'm here, he wasn't I, I'm, I'm going to audition for the the main part, the yeah. lead, and just see if I get it. I, I know I'm, you know, I've got a a minor part in just the third act, but let me, I'll shoot my shot. Why not? Yeah, that's kind of weird. And then to stay too. Yeah, 22 years. He's the yeah. 22nd head coach, and now he's been there for 22 years. He is he's, by far the most tenured Big 12 coach. Oh, long shot. Yeah. So we're insane. We're talking about the fall camp update. Like I said, we're about almost halfway through. Uh, QB, the depth chart on defense. And then it reminded me, I don't know how much we have talked about on the podcast or how much the listeners have read about it over on Stake in the Plains. We're going to talk about the DeRuder, the Tim DeRuder, defensive coordinator, his scheme, what you can look for on defense. Because we talked about the depth chart a few weeks ago. There was a, an updated one that. I want to talk about and sh- share or go through. Uh, and then we, we talked about the rule changes or we mentioned the rule changes a couple of weeks ago. There's three of them specifically that we'll, we'll talk about. Uh, and then we're going to look forward to finding those ones that were teased at the big 12 media days and see what, what the heck they were talking about back then. So 
with that, Michael, you want to get into some football? Yes, I'm ready. Let's do it. Chuck keeps it himself. Made two guys miss. Touchdown! Two now in the end zone. Picked off. And it's picked off. Pick six. Jeffers. Slager able to escape. And that picked off. Back to back. Turnovers and water. What are the other ways? Down the sideline. Touchdown. Pick six. 70 yards. Marquise Waters. Play fake. Finds Tharp again. And he's in the end zone for his first collegiate touchdown. The deep ball down the middle. It's caught. Touchdown. Texas Tech. Miles Price. 39 yards for the score. Action. Purdy. Intercepted. Picked off at the 20-yard line. Smith to throw it. Has a man downfield. And Texas Tech finds the end zone. It's McLean Mannix. Brooks to the left side to the five. Touchdown, Red Raiders. Smith. Find a little time. Throw to the back of the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Tied at 38. Three seconds to go. 62-yard try. Garibay has his foot into wow. it. It may be long enough. It is good. It's good. Can you believe, Michael, that Garibay did not do so well? That's exactly where I was heading. No, I can't. Cowboys I can't believe it. Training camp. One of the best kickers to ever do it at Texas Tech. They're going to sign Brett Mayer, Maher, Maher. <laughs> they waived Garibay, signed Brett Maher. Jerks. I don't like this. Yeah. Well, he is a veteran free agent. It's stupid. I hate it. I hate it for him. I'm sure he'll catch on somewhere. But that would have been awesome to see him kicking for the Cowboys. You know, selfishly, um, I don't mind that he got the yips after he left Tech. Oh, for sure. Completely about- selfishly. Yeah. I mean, if, if there's a time as a fan of our beloved red Raiders for the kicker to, you know, start going through some troubles. It's, it's after it's after the, all is said and done at the collegiate level, but I, I truly am. I mean, it, I, I think I'd read somewhere that, or it may have been Keith that told us red Raider dugout that I, th- I think he might've even moved his entire family here from California or something. And uh, yeah, just, just rough. Not, not something you like to see. Yeah, so I I believe his um Yeah, so his senior year, he was 15 of 16 field goal attempts. That one miss was at the Baylor. end of the Baylor game into that swirling yeah. wind. Um Yeah, it would have been an incredible one to make. And it I forgot what it would have done. I can't remember what the exact game scenario was, but it it would have been extremely helpful had he made it, but I think everybody was just there were very few people going, Oh, you got to make that bro. Most everybody was like, Hey, thanks man. <laughs> well, the last regular season game, uh, you know, and he misses it. It was, you're right. Like 
time was expiring. I don't know if it would have won the game or if it would have tied it for overtime. Uh, but that was his only miss. He hit 49 of 50 PATs. Uh, it was perfect of 14 to 14 on field goal attempts within 50 yards. Um, hit yeah. 13 straight. So dude was nails, man. I I don't know what happened. He I'm sure he doesn't know either. I'm sure it's eating him up, and hopefully he'll just figure it out and get on somewhere else. Yeah, according to the NCAA record book, um, his 62 yard game winning field goal against Iowa State marked the longest by an FBS kicker to win a game with less than a minute remaining. That field goal was the third longest successful attempt by an FBS kicker since the NCAA disallowed the use of tees in 1988 and was the longest kick by an FBS kicker since Zach Hintz of Wisconsin was successful from the same distance in 2019. So there had been a three-year gap and a kick that length in college. Anyways. Well, I guess just two, but splitting hairs. No, they played in 20. 20 well, two-year gap. It was uh, 20. 20. Yeah, okay, okay. So. Known for our math. Yeah. Our mental math. Mental the 23 math. personal podcast, Well, where uh, linear algebra crosses the something denominator line. There's got to be some line. The asymptote? Division line. Uh, I don't even know what that is. No, I'm, I'm making up words. I um, thought so. No, I'm not making up words. I'm using a word I have no idea what it is, except for I heard it in uh, Mean Girls. When <laughs> our, our favorite girl, Lindsay Lohan, was in the mathlete competition. <laughs> the, the limit, limit does not exist. exist. Yeah, I didn't. I had no idea that was what you were going to say. <laughs> All right. I heard it in, I thought you were going to say like uh, in a TED Talk. Oh, no. <laughs> something. A podcast, probably the Gauchos. The Gauchos probably do. I think they have a math segment. Fairly with, certain. With all of the lists uh, and everything they've been working on, yeah. They. they oh man, up. I need to come up with with a list. Like best, best math class. Is it? I mean, is it differential equations? Is it linear algebra? I legitimately enjoyed linear algebra. That, that's you know how sick do? of a person I am. Um, and uh, this is this is not like groundbreaking or earth shattering. We should lean into the food aspect of our podcast. And, I know I keep trying and, to do that every now and then. Get a little traction, but not yeah, too much. Do lists based on food, like best yeah. best burger in Lubbock. Yeah, start bench cut, uh, Christakis. Oh my gosh! Don't make me do this. Bonus burger or whatever it was called. Yes. Um, it, it'd have to be, I think it would be Christaki's bonus burger. Um, and then possibly Pete's. A lot of people like Tommy's. Uh, I can't remember that other one. That's just on the North side of Marsha Sharp on. Blue sky on university. No, um, that might be Tommy's. I think that's Tommy's, anyway, yeah. there's, there's one or famous someone's, I don't know. Famous Amos. That's not right. Those are cookies, man. Yeah. Cookies are good. So we should do that. I, I don't want to like, uh, you know, encroach on their intellectual property of, of these lists. These off like, it's not like they created it, but it's been their, their off season. Oh yeah. They're, they're open about Yeah. I mean, they they know 
And, they know and, exactly and what they're doing, and, and they're very successful at it. And they, the, the lists are very well thought out. If I made a list like that, I wouldn't be able to back up any of it. You know what's funny, though, is all the people that don't understand the assignment and they <laughs> like flood their mentions, which only – like it, it doesn't – they don't care because it's, it's helping them. Absolutely, engage. yeah. But like the people that didn't understand the difference between a floor and a ceiling, talking about the program floor – I am one of those people. So I stayed out of that conversation because like, what, what do you mean a floor? It's just all, the lowest it's all lows. floors, man. Yeah. Well, let's just say the floor for Oklahoma is a lot higher than the floor for Kansas. Okay. As an yeah, Oklahoma right. will never go. Oh, and 12. So it's if you're, if you're in a high rise building, Oklahoma's already, their elevator does not go below the 40th floor. Sure. Yeah. Whereas Kansas's elevator is below the parking garage. They live on the sub-level parking. Yes. All right. I, I was going to say, speaking of, but we're going to talk about QBs, Michael. I think a lot of people love the underdog, backup quarterback story. The highest rated quarterback recruit since Graham Harrell. Like, oh my gosh, Baron Morton's going to be the dude. Let me just say, or just reiterate, repeat, uh, an, like the analysis of a, of a, a media member that have, has been to practice. He's clearly the third string quarterback right now. Well, well the, all no, the all the more me. reason to root for him. He he said he was the least accurate of the three. He he didn't give a here's here's who's playing with the ones who's here's playing with the twos here's here is who is playing with the threes, although. You can kind of deduct that if you are looking at the videos the football team is releasing and they show like a quarterback throwing and who they're throwing to. So that 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 great throw that we saw from Baron Morton was not to Jaren Bradley or Loic Fungi. I couldn't even tell you who that who the receiver was. Was it Chad? Was it Chadarius Townsend? Just- Oh, okay. That was my stutter. I got stuck. Oh, no, you're good. Chadarius. No. No, the fan behind you froze too. I was like, ah, uh, I thought we were, I was thought I was losing you. Uh, no, the I, I just think this is gonna just be more ammo because a bigger chip on his shoulder? Yeah. They just oh they don't they don't believe in the third string quarterback? Well, I still do. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm I'm not I'm no, not of course I'm not. trying to say I, like he was overrated no. and he's going to be a bust. I'm just saying like there, there are some older experienced guys ahead of him that like just, just go ahead and roll with them. I, like, I have two things to say about the the always second and third string quarterback crowd. One, they're very seldomly have to um, back it up. They're just always the ones that are, well, just put Morton in knowing that that's probably not going to happen. And well, so and then, then all when, of a sudden when it does, uh, well, you know, uh, it's garbage time and they, they, they didn't trust, like they, they didn't open up the playbook. They didn't want to throw. <laughs> it's like, you, you want to maybe put two and two together and why they didn't let him throw. Well, it's yeah, that's, well, I just only, don't get it. He only got two snaps. Well, do you, he's hamstrung. Know, you want to know why he only got two snaps? Right. No. So the, and it's there's just, that. Yeah. And, I forgot there was the, <laughs> I had another one too. Oh, uh, no, you talk because I can't, I can't remember what my, well, second, and I was just gonna my say, second point was. Um, 
the Twitter spaces that Don Williams and Carlos Silva from the AJ host uh, indicated they were both high on oh. Mr. Morton's skills and performance thus far in fall camp. So th- there, there could have been some progression and improvement. Maybe, maybe there's just a bad day uh, from the report that I read from Sunday. Granted, he's you know the the media is not allowed to watch all hours of practice. And in the report, he he made the 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 disclaimer, gave the disclaimers like, "Hey, I've only been able, like media is only able to watch about forty five minutes of practice, but of the th- almost three hours I've seen, he said Morton was the least accurate by a wide margin." So, but then you've seen. The, conf- the conflicting reports to that, basically. Yeah. Not conflicting. Maybe maybe just different times, different times of practice, maybe different eye tests. So then what's going to happen is all those people are going to say, so you're saying there's a chance. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think, oh, I remember the other point I was going to make is there's, I will never be in the crowd of, I'll just hand the keys to Morton. He's young. We'll take our lumps. We'll, we'll make it work. Uh, you see that a lot. You, you see people throw that out there as an idea. And if that was ever implemented, they would be the first people to rip their TV off the wall and yeah. crack it over their knees. I mean, just, yeah. what are you doing? That's his fourth interception. Get him out. College football is not a, not a sport where you tank. No. It doesn't do it, you any good. No, you need to go with who you think is going to win you the game like Jackson like, Tyner. That's what you need to do. You need to go with <laughs> the, the kid from there's rice. No, there's no way they thought that was the best option who walked into, into Norman and was like, this is it. This is, this is how we're going to win this game today. It had to have been discipline. I will not believe otherwise it had to been a disciplinary issue with. Well, it was a very light discipline. Like, well, you, you won't play the first two series is probably then, because it would have like, they would have set, TCU level records against us. <laughs> Not that they they needed uh, Duffy to, to change that at all. Um, yeah, I've never understood that. It will just put the put the inexperienced guy out there. Let him. He's going to be a Red Raider for life. Let's let's get him get him some reps, and we'll just well, we'll yeah, win three games this year, and I'll be fine with it. No, you won't. No, you won't. You will lose your shit if we <laughs> if we just win three games. Especially when you're talking about Texas Tech that has the 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 identity of being very good offensively and then having Zach Kitley as your offensive coordinator to then with year one be like, man, our offense kind of sucked. Well, so the other thing, the other point that I would, I would go against that, uh, not wanting to play the young guy because he's got more time, uh, is that all of the, everything else, everything I'm hearing about the defense and the more I read about Tim DeRuiter, I'm getting excited about the defense, the possibilities this year that Texas Tech could be sneaky good defensively. Okay. All right. Tell me more. So Tim DeRuiter is the new defensive coordinator. That's not a surprise to anybody. He was, I believe he was even interviewed for the defensive coordinator position back uh, several years ago. It may have been under Kingsbury um, or maybe right there at the end of the Tupperville era because he went from A&M to... He was a head coach at Fresno. Then he was the defensive coordinator at Cal. And then most recently he was the defensive coordinator at Oregon. 
So the most recent things you can find on him are the Oregon blogs talking about uh, his scheme and what they, they would be able to do with DeRuiter looking back at his track record of success of taking not good defensive teams, implementing his scheme, which he has worked on and stayed true to for 20 plus years of coaching and had similar success basically everywhere he's been. Um, so I was reading those things. Just drinking the Kool-Aid, Michael. It is August 10th. And I'm like, man, we're going to be like the best defense in the in the conference. Because you look. Well, yeah, especially since the, and I'm blanking on him, the guy at Oklahoma State, he's gone. So there's there's a place. There's a place for tech now. And yeah, and, and, and Joe McGuire was like a instrumental part we took of the, the heart Baylor and soul. defense. Yeah, mm-hmm. took the heart and soul yeah. of the Baylor defense. Uh, Gary Patterson's not at TCU. Um, Brent Venables, new head coach. Oop, he's not going to be a defensive guy. Uh, Kwiatkowski or whatever his face is at Texas. No, nah, they're all washed up down there. Um, Iowa State's replacing 32 starters on defense. Pff, they're not going to be any good. It's Texas Tech, man. It's our time. 32 starters. Basically. <laughs> Everybody. Give or take. Yeah. So, Give or take. Um, two things there, the same, the same, uh, media member released his projected depth chart based on who he was seeing at practice. This is always in the conversation. So I wanted to update where we, what we gave out from Don Williams depth chart that we did a couple episodes back. Um, and then give what is actually happening. Um, and then kind of fit that in with what you'll see on the field this fall with the Tim DeRuiter defense. Cause it going back and remembering how the defense looked and played in the spring game, uh, they were fairly new. The DeRuiter scheme can tend to be a little complicated or it is best um, at its best is when players are flying around in the system. They were obviously very new. They were getting their, their, their legs underneath them. Um, he runs essentially a three, four, where he's got two hybrid players. And we've talked about this with several different defensive coordinators at Texas Tech before, where you've got like three true defensive linemen. And then you can get one hybrid defensive end linebacker, two true linebackers, then one hybrid linebacker defensive back or safety, which you could sub that guy out for like another corner, then two corners and two safeties. So it's, like a three, three, five, like a four, two, five, like a three, four, like you can, based on the call, you can mimic a lot of different defensive fronts without having to substitute if you didn't want to. So the quarterback's going to see different coverages, like you said, different fronts, but he may not necessarily know where those players zones are or where they're going to be. Or if, you know, if, if Wilson's going to be playing more of a linebacker role on this snap, or if he's going to be playing a lineman and trying to, you know, come across the line of scrimmage or, or, or what's, what's going to be happening. Yeah. And, um, I mean, if you don't remember, DeRuiter was the defensive coordinator at Texas A&M when they had Von Miller. And that was the position comp that I've seen for how they're going to play Tyree Wilson as that defensive end outside linebacker uh, guy. Where so you you know you've got the three defensive linemen, 
essentially you'll have a nose tackle and then two defensive ends. When I tell you the the defensive linemen, they're all going to look about the same size because you need some guys up front that can control the line of scrimmage. So you're not like you're going to play with like a 4-3 defensive end that you're looking at like, oh, he's like 6'3", 250. These are like 6'2", 6'3", 300-pound guys all across the line that are going to hold up some offensive linemen to allow the backers to get free, which is another big calling card and hallmark or what are you going to call it for DeRuiter's defense is he brings all kinds of pressure all over the place, mainly from the front seven, um, allows his defensive backs to play an aggressive zone where they can deceive the quarterback, make him make some false reads, jump routes, um, just interfere with the passing game that way. If he's got enough time to sit back there and throw with the pressure that the defensive front is bringing. So what we're, what we are at least seeing early on in fall camp, the defensive line, the three down linemen, are going to be Jalen Hutchings, Tony Bradford, and Philip Bleedy. I think the smallest one of those is Bleedy at like 280. <laughs> um, the outside linebacker defensive end is Tyree Wilson. You just looked up 6'6", 275. Yes. Every and time that you is see a, a picture of him, it looks, it looks photoshopped. Yes. Uh, all of Big 12 Media Days, just kind of the okay all right, who's doing the, if I retweet this, I will make Tyree Wilson 10% bigger thing. Who's who's doing this? Everybody, apparently. Uh, yeah. Mother Nature's doing this. <laughs> Mother Nature. Uh, Mr. Wilson's genes. Um, and not his, not his denim. And the other thing I want to bring up. <laughs> sorry, that was, that got weird real fast. <laughs> it did. Just um, let you go, man. You got it. You, you shouldn't. You should you be like, Spencer, you should <laughs> shut up. It's a podcast, but you really should stop talking. Um, the scheme on defense, on obviously on defense, when teams are running the ball is to get outside leverage, contain any outside breaking runs, and push them back towards the middle. Historically, and you, you can look this up on stats and basically any team that DeRuiter's been the coach on, the inside linebackers, middle linebackers lead the team in tackles hands down, like it's not even close. Everything is funneled in, and then you got our man Krishan Merriweather on the inside. It's just going to be a run-stuffing machine. That, that was his best attribute that we saw the past last year. He came on run blitzes. Came with a fire, dude. He was untouched, just destroying things in the backfield. Um, I wouldn't call him a liability, but like pass coverage is not his thing. You don't see a lot of Deruder middle linebackers dropping into pass coverage. They've got five other guys to mess with that. Uh, linebackers will help kind of carry things until a defensive back can take over. But if they're funneling running backs into Krishan Merriweather, I'm okay with that. Yeah, he's going to feast. He's going to feast on that. This is kind of, what is this, the inverse of the no middle defense? Is this, <laughs> no, uh, it's are, it's, it's, are DeRuiter and Mark Adams, are they just in constant arguments? No, you want him to go through the middle. No, we never want him to go through the middle. What are you talking about? Yeah, he's like, we're going to push everybody into the middle. Oh, terrible idea, Tim. <laughs> 
Uh, and then alongside Merriweather, so far is looking like it's going to be Dimitri Moore, the transfer from is that Vanderbilt. Oh, let's see. I know you had that just over here. No, Missouri State. Um, coming in from Cedar Hill, so got that uh, relationship with Coach McGuire from those days. Six three two ten, according to his recruiting profile, which is going to be a little outdated. Um, and then you get your hybrid linebacker slash safety. Uh, another guy that will be messing things up uh, on on the pressure front and then also being able to drop back in, into coverage. It's going to be Muddy Waters. Have yeah, to- and a guy that you can trust to make that decision too because I'm sure a lot of – it sounds like what DeRuiter's doing is giving the players a lot of uh, freedom, especially if, if they're being taught and kind of coached to – jump passing routes and try to go for interceptions and stuff as opposed to just staying with the man and, and basically watching them catch the ball and then trying to tackle them. Uh, so they're, they're given a lot of freedom there. And I think given waters that freedom at this position to basically decide whether or not he's going to help out the linebackers or help out the, the defensive backs. I mean, I, I think that was a, that's a perfect fit. I think he's made for this, this role. Yeah. Um, excited for that. And then, if you want to include him in the, this defensive backfield, which we saw from big, uh, sorry, from Texas Tech Media Days, our man Rob Bro there and getting some coverage. He interviewed Reggie Pearson, and he did the one who was like he was talking to Rob, and then like turned to the camera. He's like, "I'm going to say this on camera: the defensive backs on this team." He said, "Best ever." Yes, the safety group just the safeties, if you look at those guys, but even the corners, the safeties, Muddy Waters, Rabbit, Reggie Pearson. Add the corners, Adrian Fry, he led the team in picks. And then Rayshad Williams and their 6'3 guy that we saw lots from last year. The only spot on the defense I'm a little worried about is Dimitri Moore. That's one position. Well, that's is that mainly just because... I don't know him. Yeah, he's a, he's a transfer. You haven't seen much of him. Uh, I mean, I could see that. The thing I'm gonna I'm gonna be a broken record about this whole season is I'm I'm just kind of more worried about the depth overall, just of of the entire defense. But, but yeah, these individual players. If if this is who we see trot out against Murray State, yeah, I, I think they have a, a chance to really ruin a lot of days. Uh, for the offenses they face. And man, I have to tell you, I had dinner with uh, some family this evening and my mother-in-law asked, Hey, when, when's Tech's first game? And I, I told her, Oh, it's September 3rd. Who do they play? And I just blanked. Mercy. I completely, I, I made it, I made something up. I was like, it starts with an M and then it ends with state. I was like, I think it's Montana. And I said, I can't believe it. I had to look it up. I'm oh, sorry. No. I, 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 I couldn't think of who it was, but, but yes, I'm not looking past Murray state by any means. Sure. Yeah. Murray's not a state, by the way. That's why I said Montana. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is Murray a state? Is Murray the 51st state? Maybe. <laughs> to be honest, I, I, I probably would have blanked too. If somebody asked me who, who is text text first game. I, I don't know. <laughs> I really, it was so bad. 
because she knows I, she knows I, I do this with you. And she's like, you don't know who it is. Like, no, I don't. No, I, don't. I should, I should, I could probably name the rest of them in order, but I can't, I couldn't do that one at that moment. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to list off some guys that, that would uh, provide some depth, uh, especially on defense. But I was like, man, I don't, this is going to get, so I was going to say, okay. So like guys that we didn't mention, that we've seen play and we, we've heard from Miles Cole on, on the defensive line. Kosai Eldridge was a big yes. part a couple of years ago. Played yes. uh, that hybrid uh, safety role before uh, Josiah Pierre, the, the Florida transfer who was on our original depth chart as a potential starter from a couple of weeks ago. Um, sorry, scrolling through a bunch of offensive guys right now. Um, Keon Blankenbaker. Blankenbaker is somebody that, that has been uh, impressing. He's a super senior from Oak Park, Illinois, defensive back. Uh, Tavares Elston was the freshman coming in from Gulf Shores, Alabama. He was coming in as a linebacker. Supposedly, that they rolled him out and backed him, like had him playing um, that linebacker safety position with Muddy Waters and did so well that McGuire's like, yeah, he's not going back to linebacker. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) which is high praise for a a true freshman coming in. And the head coach is like, yeah, he's found his spot. Um, Tyler Owens, the senior defensive back transfer from Texas. Um, So there, there are guys Malik Dunlap played a lot. So there's some dudes. Yes. True. Like the, the defense is going to be thin. If we can keep a fairly healthy starting 12, 11, I was going to say 12, starting 11, that's a pr- pretty solid group. Yes. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll, we'll touch back on, on all that kind of stuff as, as fall practices progress. We're just two weeks out from game prep. Previewing Murray State on the... Murray State. Murray. Of course it's Murray. Here on this here podcast... Um, hopefully we'll have some offensive depth chart updates, quarterback. I, I, I think I heard somewhere McGuire wants to have a, a starting quarterback named here pretty soon. Yes. I, I mean, he said that all summer about the, I don't know if he gave himself a deadline for some reason. I thought it was two weeks before the first game or uh, I don't know. I may be making that up, but or a week before. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't going to be a Kingsbury special where you'll see we who walks out there. Yeah, we don't know till after the kickoff. <laughs> so um, I, I do think he was going to com- fully commit to um, you know Tyler Shuck before then. <laughs> nice. I, I I would agree. Although he did he did say this was on I'm sure we talked about it on that uh, Twitter space with the Reddit College Football uh, subreddit. He said, you know, if we were to go with Tyler Shuck as our starting quarterback, it would be like how dumb would I look not to have a 6'5", 230-pound running quarterback in there at the goal line or obvious running situations. Yeah. Like Donovan yeah. Smith is, is, an, is an asset. And I, I, I thought back, because I've been watching a lot of like 10-year-old Big 12 games, and I remember when... I thought you were about to say 10-year-olds playing football. <laughs> no, <laughs> okay. like the, the Big 12 football from like 10, 12 years ago when like offenses were just absolute juggernauts. Um. And Oklahoma would roll in Blake Bell at the goal line. Mm. I was like, 
Golly. They ran the same freaking play for Bell as a quarterback powers. Like, we we should run that. We, we should just go full on 23 personnel, put Donovan Smith in like a pistol formation, the deepest man back there, uh, and snap it to him. Have like do one of those like real kind of slow, uh, slow playing runs where like he's allowing things to happen in front of him and then he like just darts through. Because when when Oklahoma did that with Blake Bell and then when Baylor was running a lot of Bryce Petty, like oh yeah, that's what they would do. Like those big quarterbacks would kind of sit there for a second. And yes. Tim Tebow too at, at Florida, like they would just sit there and let it happen and then they would like okay, now I'm going. Like they pick their spots. Anyways. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I want me personally, Spencer, I want to see Tyler Shuck as QB one. I also want to see a heck of a lot of Donovan Smith coming in around the goal line or short yard. Like if we need a couple yards, yeah, sure. Like everybody's gonna know what's coming if you sub in your six five, two thirty quarterback. But maybe, maybe, Kitley, that's a perfect time for a little play action. Uh, because Donovan throws a hell of a deep ball. Yeah, he sure can. All right. Uh, rule changes for 2022. We, we, we teased this a couple weeks ago. want to bring it up. Um, three of them specifically. None of these make sense to me, but we're going to talk about them. <laughs> we're going to figure this out together, gang. Well, okay, so we're going to start with t- targeting, which the, since they implemented the targeting rule, everybody's like it's it's never been – there's never been a satisfactory um, edit to it, right? Like it was, it's always been tweaked. Nobody's ever liked it, its current state or the changes. Anyways, what they're going to allow teams to do is appeal a second half penalty in an attempt for a review to negate the penalty. This is going to be after the game to where the player that was ejected in the second half of the game to be eligible to play the first half of the game that they would have otherwise missed. It's going to allow them a longer review and evaluation period than like, okay, we have to make a decision. This is the game. Like we got to go. So you're still going to miss the guys that get ejected in the first half because they just don't have the time unless they try to jam it in halftime. I, I don't know how you do that. But right now they're going to look at allowing teams oh, sorry, they're going to allow teams to appeal second half targeting penalties during the week in an attempt to get that player back eligible for the first half of the following game. Did you realize that this, that the targeting penalty has been around since 2013? It's been a while. Yeah. And I, I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you it's going in nine years now. No, I, I wouldn't have either. I mean, I just, that surprises me. I I, I remember, I guess that kind of makes sense. I, I don't remember targeting happening except with Kingsbury. And I guess that was really the first chance it, it started to happen. Um, I can't remember who that free safety we had. That was really good. Who would get targeting every now and then for Kingsbury. Was it just Sean Johnson? Am I making that up? Maybe. Uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry. I I do. Um, I, I get it. I, I think there are a lot of 
folks who don't see the the reasoning for holding out a player, especially if it's not truly targeting. Uh, but but the thing that people kind of get wrapped up in is intent, and there's no way to tell if that player meant to uh, lead with their helmet or meant to to cause that much damage or, or whatever it was. You know, s- sometimes it's obvious that that's not what happened, and the offensive player last second changed their trajectory or something, and the def- defensive player had already committed. I, I think it's going to just open up a lot more gray area. I mean, these officials, I'm not on the side of the officials, but they're having to make these decisions as fast as they can. They're already getting second guessed and re-reviewed and all that kind of stuff. You know, games are spent 30 minutes of every game underneath the, you know, the hood or whatever the little devices they bring out to the field, looking at stuff second guessing everything. So, I mean, let's just go ahead and add something else to it. At least we don't have to watch it. Um, but yeah, if, if it does cut down on a player unjustly sitting out the next half, I mean, fine, but it just seems like it's, it's going to be, uh, a, a circus. I mean, you know, do, do you think, how many times do you think a coach is going to go, yeah, I'm not going to appeal that? No, do you think they're going to appeal like 90, 95% of targeting calls? You know, uh, you've got 130 FBS teams and who knows how many FCS teams. And you, yeah, okay, well, we're going to um, we're going to appeal every single one just because, hey, that guy's our best linebacker and we really need him next week against fill in the blank. And if he's out, well, then that's going to hurt us. Yeah, I would assume uh, coaches would would roll with the what can it hurt and appeal every. Yes, yeah. If there's not a limit to the appeals, now maybe that's something that they could. They may learn the hard way. You know, a, a coach may wind. You know, he might appeal a, a targeting penalty every game of the season, and every coach may do that. And then they realize, okay, well, maybe we need to limit this to you can only appeal one player twice or or something, or you can only appeal 10 total times in a calendar year. But they'll figure that out, and that's not on us to figure out. It just seems like it's it's going to be – when will they find out too? I mean, that, that's got to be released at some point. There can't be like a roll call at Saturday at 1030. Maybe they should read it all off on college game day. Hey, congratulations. Yeah. Tyree Wilson has not <laughs> been ruled for targeting. He will be playing against Montana. I mean, I'm sorry, correction, Murray State. Oh, wait, there's no way he could be. There's no way he could be out for the first game. But anyway, I, I just, it seems like it's going to be a uh, a mess, but luckily it's not going to be ours to deal with. No, and unless the coaches are waiting until like Saturday morning to know if you know if their star defensive back can play. But we'll get to um, disagree with all their calls too. Like, no nah, man, he 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 shouldn't have been ejected. Um, the review yeah, or, was, was was biased, and they did it during the week too, and that was messed up. Oh, it's going to be so much like, oh, yeah, because he plays for Texas and Texas is playing Alabama next week. Of course they overruled that. 
Yeah. Of course they did. Yeah. Um, it's just going to be a bunch of that too. Another rule they're going to look at, uh, or another area of the game they're going to be looking at addressing is fake penalties. Uh, and it's something injuries, that, fake injuries. Yeah. Sorry. Fake injuries. Something I haven't seen in a while actually. And maybe it's cause I just haven't been watching, uh, enough non big 12 football because like that, that really came up when teams first started going like up tempo, no huddle like 10 years ago or like eight years ago, whenever that was. Um, and that was a, what we, people were using to slow down teams like Texas tech. Um, you know, you get a player, especially like a defensive lineman, they'd be looking to the sideline for the play and then he'd fall over or the better times, like several would fall over at the same time. Like, Oh, like that wasn't orchestrated. Pick one, pick one guys. Um, so again, uh, teams can submit, uh, review of an opponent that had supposedly done that against them following the game. Um, it didn't say what kind of punishment or what kind of action would follow up from that. Although it said school or conference would levy additional punishment. So I guess going to be looking for it more to catch it during the game. Uh, and if they find one, something that's happened that wasn't addressed during the game, they could turn it in for review, but he didn't say what that additional punishment may be. No, and it sounds like it's going to be completely up to this conference or school. So it says uh, from the CBS Sports article, you link conferences and schools will now submit a report to the national coordinator of officials who will provide feedback to the conference. The conference or school would then levy an additional punishment. And who knows what? what? Is the school going to punish their own player? No. No. I mean, like, what kind, what kind of punishment are we talking about? Like a, a series? Suspension? Like a financial one? I mean, but yeah, I but why would you punish the player when they were probably coached and or told, okay, all right, if you guys don't know what's going on, just go down. If, you know, if that's truly what's happening. If they first downs in a row, go down. Yeah. I, I mean, it, they're, they're probably not doing it on their own fruition. I, I mean, I think they're not speaking of fruition. Shout out to Kat Gundy. But yeah, I, I think they're, they're not really coming up with it on their own. I, I think they're being coached that. Mm-hmm. So what, and then who, then you f- have to figure out well, what coach told them to do that. Well, nobody told them to do that, but sure. Yeah. Maybe it was mentioned in practice before yeah, a no couple way, of no times. Way to verify or validate that. Yeah. It's not like, you know, DeRuiter specifically said, Hey, you know, number 56, you better, you better take a knee if, if, if they convert this second Nate or whatever, I, I don't know. There, there's not going to be any way to trace it. This seems like an even more of a clown show than trying to appeal every single targeting that's going to be called against you every week. I, I think it's, it's not as big of an issue as it was. It's frustrating. You do see it every now and then, or you think you see it, but you don't really know. And I would like to see something done about it, but maybe this will just, maybe this will be one of those rules where it'll be just enough. And most coaches and teams will say, all right, guys, let's, let's cool it on the, the falling down after a big game or whatever. Let's just cool it on that. Yeah. And and not force them to come up with something. Sorry, trying to. I'm still using my phone for all of this, and uh, 
we've got some T- technical difficulties. No, no, we've got some parlay picadors that are getting into some some chat. Oh, my, cool! My phone's going off. They're <laughs> they were asking about the uh, gambling gauncho's Twitter space recording. So if you weren't a part of that tonight, be on the lookout. Looks like it's going to be re- released as a regular podcast. Um, the other rule change, I think everybody was like, I don't know, it, when it happened, so many, like it was so divisive. Uh, the Kenny Pickett rule, as they're calling it. Uh, this is the the quarterback from Pitt in the ACC championship game last year ran for a like 55 or 60-yard touchdown. And he was able to do it like halfway through. He he looked like he was going to start a slide. So the defenders that were closest to him kind of pulled up so they wouldn't hit him as he was sliding. And then he just kept running. So, oh yeah. So he didn't he didn't actually slide. He didn't go down. Um he like the smallest of movements that would indicate, like the very first indications that he was going to slide, the defense kind of pulled up and then allowed him to keep running. Um, I just watched the video while you talked about it. That's incredible. I, it, it was clever. And it was like, wow, like, like to, just to think about trying to implement that into like your, your style of play. Um, and then to pull it off in a game in a big time situation, like it's a conference championship game and he runs like, like, I don't know. It was almost a 60 yard touchdown. Anyways, they're saying any, well, he, yeah, he, he ran like half of it before he did it. Yeah. He was like 30 yards in before he did it. Um, they, the, the rule changes any kind of indication that a player is going to give himself up into a slide, whether or not he actually slides or not, they're going to blow the play dead and mark him down there. So Kenny Pickett got his, his, uh, his five minutes of fame or 15 minutes of fame gets a rule named after him, just like the Brady tuck rule. Um, and we'll no longer be able to see quarterbacks specifically fake a slide and then get away with it. Yeah, I I think that's the right thing to do. Um, I also think it's the right thing to do if a guy does slide and but he slides like after the defensive player has already launched. <laughs> launched. You know, I, I think they've they've gotten better about that. They've gotten better about cooling it on the flags on those where the, oh man, hey, I was sliding. Like, dude, you you just kinda like drop to your butt and the the lineman was headed your way. I mean, I, I'm sorry. Just things don't work out for you sometimes. But but yeah, it's it's a great play to watch. And for him to ha- be that aware in that moment, man, it was it was really cool. But I would have absolutely hated it if if I would have been on the other side. If I'd have been Wake Forest, I'd be like, yeah, finally, <laughs> our months of injustice are over. The picket rule is in place. We're good. Um, the other things that we'll talk about when we get, uh, I guess, next week to complement some of our fall camp discussions are the the rule changes and um, not changes, but the additional details and stuff that came out from Big Twelve Media Days. Uh, th- they did talk about the targeting rule and I I think what got everybody up in arms was a screenshot of of um of the board or projector whatever you want to call it as they were talking about what constitutes a defensive defenseless player and the way it was so vaguely defined for quarterbacks 
you could almost interpret it as like you can't hit a quarterback at all. Um, so we'll talk about that. And then they talked about the celebration penalties and taunting again, because uh, every year we have to talk about how horns down is going to be a penalty. Well, we just can't have fun. The, the players just can't have fun. It's not allowed. Yeah. The, the fun police are going to be out. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Obviously when we get to some other, well, not like next week. Uh, and then gosh, after that, we're going to be, I say doing a preview. We're going to talk about the game and what we expect to see and all that kind of stuff as we prepare to kick off against Murray state. But, um, Michael, let's, let's get to what we learned and, uh, and wrap this thing up, man. What do you say? Yeah, I'm good. What did we learn Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. All right. I don't have it in the notes, but it's a going yard update. I still have <laughs> oh. dirt at this new house. Like I have. You would be embarrassed by my yard right now. It's so bad. It's so bad. I'm going to have to spend like two hours on it this weekend, maybe more. We Go finally, ahead. Finally got rain the past couple of days, but that's actually yeah. been the problem is because it's just dirt. I haven't been able to do anything. Um, the first weekend we were here, I started the process of trying to level out, especially the front lawn and the side lawns and pick out some of the bigger rocks and chunks of concrete and brick and just debris from the construction process. Front yard's in a pretty good shape. It's not going to be like golf green flat or level. Mm-hmm. Um, one, cause we're, we're, you know, elevated off the street. I mean, there's going to be some slope out to the street. Uh, that's not the point. Um, we don't have gutters and it wasn't like even an option as we built this house to have gutters included. Um, and we've had, I'd say one significant rain and then two other days where it has rained. Uh, since I've done that, I was, I was frustrated because the water coming off the front of the house to the front door, it slopes out to the yard. I've got Mm. three rivers, rivers, (laughs) Uh, channels canyons that the, <laughs> the water runoff coming from the house and the entryway dug out what used to be a nice level lawn bed seed bed that was preparing um i don't have to go back and fix that but it's also helped settle some of the like lighter dirt and mm-hmm. dust and brought up more rocks i was like i have to go pick all those out now too and I, we didn't do the backyard yet because we Samantha wanted to do, she wanted to create like a mud pit and take some fun pictures with the boys. She went to this at the last house. I was like, I don't want to mess with that. It's too messy. And I was stressed the heck out when we did it. Cause one, it was a blast. The boys loved it. Like that, that's, that's <laughs> hands down, like favorite afternoon that we've, we've had here at the new house. Um, but like, I, I haven't, I haven't even touched the backyard it's a bigger backyard than the other, the other house, but. I have to go through, I'm going to lightly level. I'm not going to like dig at it or move a lot of dirt, but I need to pick out like a lot of rocks, chunks of concrete, brick. I'm I'm getting weeds now too. I have to go Uh, spray those and pull those up. I was going to try to put seed down this weekend. I don't know how this happened, but Samantha volunteered to throw a baby shower at the house. Oh, there you go. For a friend of ours was like, you and the boys get out there and and I guess put I can do it. Down. I, I can do it in the morning, and just hope to be done before everybody shows up and before we need to be cleaning and prepping the house for people to come over. 
Just just put a lot of signs in your yard of dirt that says, please keep off the grass. <laughs> keep off the grass. And it's like, this is dirt, dude. No, no, you don't you don't see you don't see the vision. I'm vision casting this grass. Oh, uh, and, and the problem is like we're gonna have to be watering it like every couple of hours for just a couple of minutes to keep the seed wet and still. One to keep it from drying out and blowing away, but so I I was gonna wait till after that to, to really get into after the, the baby shower to get into planting my temporary lawn. I'm gonna put I'm putting down ryegrass, which is mm-hmm. what a lot of people in this area overseed their Bermuda lawns with to keep it green over the winter because it's a cool season grass. They plant annual ryegrass so it won't come back. I'll, I'll still have to, you know, round up it in the spring. Because Bermuda seed, if you were to, if you were to plant Bermuda seed, it takes like thirty days to germinate, which means it's thirty days of having a mud pit for my dogs yes. to track in and out before that's grass. Ex- so that's exactly what, what that means. So I was like, I'm not messing with that. Sod was too expensive, and it's it's like it's not even good quality Bermuda that they get from the sod farm. I was like, no, I'm 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 gonna do this. We'll have grass. They'll be able to to you know go in and out. The dogs can live here at the house, which they are now. We have a doggy door, which is a whole thing. Anyways, going yard. I have dirt. I have canyons in my dirt after I already leveled it from the runoff from the house. Got to figure out if I need to invest or figure out some kind of gutter system to yeah. direct water away from the yard. You know, the five days a year it, it rains here, I'm like, man, we really should get gutters. And then I talk myself out of it for the next three months where it doesn't rain and then it rains again. I'm like, ah, should really get gutters. <laughs> and then I really, just quit. Like it's, it just, it's, you just need to get it away from the front door. And yeah, I, ours I, is, I our front's it. okay. It's the back. The back porch is bad. We really need to do something about that. Yeah. Anyways, that's a yard update. The new house, 23, excuse me, 23 personnel. South headquarters 2.0 XL, whatever we called it. <laughs> I've got, I've got a, I've got an update and it's, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit real. It's a real update. It's not like a, okay. a, a fun one or anything, but what, what I learned is that if you have a friend that you haven't spoken with in a while and you were close or, or, you know, you may not be as close anymore, reconnect with them, just reach out to them. You just never know. I had a really close friend of mine from growing up pass away really unexpectedly on Thursday. And we had gone all through kindergarten through 12th grade where buds run around that whole time. He was my college roommate for four years. I don't need to get into how long I took to get through college because I, it wasn't the entire length of the college run, but, but yeah, he graduated from tech, you know, so did I, um, And then, you know, life kind of happened after that. And the last time I saw him was 2014. We would connect here and there um, on birthdays and everything. But man, I mean, you know, you know a guy that closely for the vast majority of your life. um, It it just really hits you when all of a sudden he's gone. And we had our 20-year class reunion this fall set to, to happen. And I just took for granted like, oh, man, maybe he'll be there. Uh, or I'll, I'll text him and, and kind of talk him into coming if he's not going to come. And, and, you know, maybe I'll get to see him then. That'll be great. If you have any of those inklings in your head, if there's anything like that, 
about a friend that you haven't seen in a while, just go ahead and text them right now. Text them when you pull over, when you're done listening to this podcast. Uh, you, you just never know. Um, so anyway, that's what I learned. If there's any hesitation, if there's someone you haven't reached out to in a while that you miss, that you've been thinking about lately, let them know. And uh, that's it. Sorry to start in on kind of a downer, man, but that was that was why I'm so out of it this week. I was at a whirlwind trip to go to Abilene for a visitation and a service the last yesterday and today. So Spencer basically just walked me through the the whole episode and I appreciate it, man. But we'll um we'll be back next week with some more better things to to talk about, hopefully. Yeah, well no no, it's it's okay to be real, man. Cause it you know, life happens. We we've had uh I guess between the between us some difficult times this year, this spring. I don't we, we haven't really talked about a whole lot of it, but uh um, you know, my, my wife and I experienced an infant loss in the spring. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I say infant, she was pregnant, uh, 18 weeks and, you know, ha- we had, to had to go through that. Um, which, you know, I, I don't know if anybody else has experienced something similar. It, it sucks far yeah. enough along that you have to deliver a baby, man. You had to, I had to, had to, I got to, I got to hold my son. Um, also, you know, uh, uh, a bright side of that is, is, you know, he's got a resting place. We can go visit, we can go see him and, you know, spend t- time out there. Um, you know, spot to show our other boys like, Hey, you know, you've got a brother. Um, but also my, my, my dad passed away this spring yeah. Uh, we, we weren't particularly close. Um, Samantha's grandmother passed away, but like, I guess all, all three of these things hitting fairly close to each other were just like, man, like, I, I guess to go back to what you were saying there, there, if there are any inklings of like, Hey, like I, I, I should reach out to that person. I should you know, let them know I'm thinking about them or, or that you love them. Do it because you know, you, you won't regret saying it you'll regret not saying it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my guy, he was 38 and just was, was gone one morning. And so there's, you just never know. You can't take it for granted. And, uh, yeah, anybody, anybody in your past, anybody that you've just been, that's been on your mind for whatever reason, good or bad, you know, maybe there's something you did that you feel like you need to kind of confess or it's just, man, I remember that time we went to that concert 10 years ago or so I just wanted to, just wanted to reach out and say, hello, do it. You will yeah. not regret it. Like Spencer said, you will not regret it. So, I mean, transitioning back to sports podcasts that we are, that'll do it for us. We're, we're, we're looking forward to some, some football, but, um, appreciate you guys hanging with us. Even when we talk about not sports, but We'll we'll catch you guys next time. For Michael, I'm Spencer. We'll see you guys later. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, 
and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.